when Three Gun gets big enough. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll play music after uh, they announce your name, like in baseball or UFC fights. What song would you want them to play for you? Wow. Never thought of anything like that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Man, you got me stumped on that one, Dave. That's a, that's oh, a tough man. one right out of the gate, man. I know it's a, it's a surprise. So what song identifies Greg Jordan as a man? Man. Well, I'll tell you one that I listen to. When I'm when I'm when I'm shooting three gun, I want to get pumped up a little bit for me, and that's uh, I listen to Jason Alvey a lot. The only way I know. Still wasn't thinking about nothing but winning. That's the only way I know. But don't stop till everything's gone. Straight ahead, and never turn around. Don't back up, don't back down. A full throttle, wide open. Welcome to the Three Gun Show, episode one. I am your host, Dave Hartman. Our featured guest on this episode is 2014 Three Gun Nation Rumble on the Range winner and national champion Greg Jordan of Team Armalite. Before we get into the interview, I want to thank you for downloading and listening to this very first episode. There's many, many more to come, and I hope you like it. The Three Gun Show is a weekly podcast dedicated to the fastest growing shooting sport, Three Gun. Each week, I'll be bringing you a new episode featuring an awesome athlete manufacturer of multi-gun specific products, and sometimes both. If you like the show, please tell a friend. Subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. In fact, I'm running a contest for those that leave a review in iTunes. Be sure to listen after the interview for details on the prizes and how to enter. In this interview, Greg shares a ton of knowledge with us, and everything we talk about can be found in the show notes at 3gunshow.com slash episode one. And now, please welcome our very first guest to the 3 Gun Show, Mr. Greg Jordan. All right. Well, Greg, thank you very much for joining me on the Three Gun Show. I'm so glad to be on. I'm uh, glad starting off. It's good you guys are doing this stuff for Three Gun. It's good for the sport. So get some new guys Great. started yeah. up in this. You know, I'm excited to do it too. It, it doesn't get a lot of the attention that it should in like mainstream media. So let's uh, let's do it in the alternative media and do it our own way. Yeah. All right. So why don't you uh, briefly tell the audience. Uh, a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I'm on Team Armalite this year. So I've been shooting three-gun since about 2009. Uh, I started shooting competitively in 2007. I uh, became a police officer shortly before that, so I wanted something where I could do to, to practice a little bit, so I started in USPSA. And that quickly led into starting to shoot some local matches and some uh, actually some bigger matches than in three-gun, and that kind of got me hooked. I figured... That was probably more applicable to my job, and I was I was more interested in that with the rifle and shotgun aspect. So that's where it went. That's great. Do you carry uh, a carbine or a shotgun on uh, or at work? Yes. Yep. So yeah, we have access to all of those uh, for daily patrol. So like I said, I think that was a better choice for me because it's more applicable for what I do. That's good. And I imagine the. Uh the rifle and shotgun are a little bit different than your three gun setup. Can you, can you tell us a little bit how they differ? Yeah, I, the, the three gun setups obviously set up for, it's optimized for, for speed. Um, so I may be willing to tinker a little bit more on that end than I would be for work. And some of the things that we do for three gun, as far as maybe the trigger poundage, um, and, and maybe the comps and stuff like that wouldn't be really applicable to what we would do on the law enforcement side. So, because that gun has to be obviously 
100% reliable, but also, you know, we can't be liable for things, you know, tinkering and stuff like that. So we have to be uh, more on the safe side, I would say. Right. So they're basically like factory style uh, yes. rifle and shotgun. Got it. Yep. Yep. Factory stuff. And, you know, we can, we can play with some optics and do stuff like that, but we're pretty limited on that. So you, uh, what division do you shoot in? Right now I'm shooting TAC Ops. Uh, that's, that's where I started, and I, I like it because it seems, as of now, it's the highest competition, and the biggest and highest competition. When you go to a match, especially the major matches, at least 75% of your shooters are in TAC Ops. Right, yeah, I've I've noticed that at, at the uh, matches here in Colorado, too. It, it you know, it it is basically like... Uh, you know, I'm in the limited, so we're outnumbered, you know, three to one, like you said, mm-hmm. 75% of the people there. Yeah. You're on Team Armalite this year, and I know Armalite has released some, you know, exciting new products. Um, obviously, the uh, the test bed there came with you and Tommy Thacker. So can you tell us about the development of that rifle and, and uh, what you brought to market? Yeah, I mean, uh, Tommy took over, I believe it was about this time last year. He stepped into Armalite. And, you know, if, if, if you know Tommy, he's got some big ideas. The guy never stops. He's, he's all the time on the go. And when he took over, that was one of his goals, was to get Armalite back into the market. Um, you know, Armalite started the AR. They, uh, they had a lot of good ideas way back, and, but then things kind of slowed up. So he wanted to get back into the market, and, and Tommy has a passion for the competition side of things. So that was what he wanted to drive. So, you know, him and I had some long conversations about, you know, what, what would work on a stock gun? I mean, that's, that's essentially what we shoot. We shoot stock guns. We, you know, we can walk into Armory, take one off the shelf and go compete with it. And, and that was the goal. So we talked about, you know, different compensators and, and hand guards and, and some different you know, configurations and, and what we wanted in a gun. And, and he put it together. So um, it's really something that we we both believe in as far as being able to pick it up and go shoot it you know a lot of times uh, especially a beginner three gunner will go into you know they'll go order this two thousand dollar gun and then they have to go add triggers or they have to add a different comp or a different handguard just to get where they want it and you know that, that gets very cost costly and then a new three gunner often changes things so they'll dump a lot of money in a gun and turn around and change it after they figure out what they really need so you know that's a that's a very good point, and I'm I'm excited to know that the uh, the rifle you guys shoot is is a, a stock Armalite rifle with no modifications. That's that's really cool. You you don't see that from a lot of the big manufacturers. It seems like they make some, uh, um, I don't know what you would call them concessions for the the mass market, and still call it a three gun rifle. And like you said, guys are making changes right when they get them home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, we, uh, I mean, our rifle, we have our compensator on there. It's totally tunable. So, you know, you guys can go in and you can shoot different grain bullets, different loads, and all you have to do is I mean, put a new screw in, drill it back out, or, or change things out. So you're good with that. Um, tunable gas block. We do run full mass carriers in there. A lot of people ask questions about that. That's all about reliability. So we've had no issues getting the guns tamed down to what we want. Um, they, they run just as fast as everybody else out there as far as it comes to the, the three-gun circuit. So uh, we've got the loose stock. So there's, there's a lot of adjustability there to get a shooter into it and get it fitted for them and doing what they want to do. No, that's great. And 
interesting about the uh, the full mass carrier. I, it seems like the trend now is to go lighter and lighter. Where there's companies releasing titanium and aluminum carriers, et cetera. So it's it's interesting to know that Armalite uh, sticks behind the full size carrier. Yep. Or full yeah, mass, I guess. It, you have to have reliability. I mean, it, you can go lighter, and, and we've all tried it. But with that, it takes more cleaning, more maintenance, and I've personally had several lighter carriers break on me. You know, they just after oh. after thousands of rounds, they break, and you know, that's something where if you're in a if you're in a championship match or something like that, it's coming down the wire. Last thing you want is is a gun issue. So. Yeah, absolutely. I've personally experienced uh, uh, gun malfunction and breakage in a match, and luckily it was just you know local match, so you know I was only out like twenty bucks. But still, I mean, you know, you're there to compete, and that's the most frustrating thing is when you can't rely on your gear. Absolutely. So, um, what in Tac Ops? Obviously, it's a magnified optic for uh, for those that don't that don't know. Uh, tell us about the uh, the optic that you use. I shoot a loophole optic. I have two that I run. It depends on the match. Um, when we shoot the three-gun nation circuit, uh, the shorter, faster-based type matches, I run a one to six. It's their uh, VX one to six. So that is a second focal plane scope. It's um, set up for up-close, um, fast stuff. I don't need a ballistic reticle per se. I don't need a lot of high-speed stuff because my color's target may only be 100, you know, maybe hair over 100 yards. So it has a uh, daytime illuminated reticle, so I can see the reticle when it's on one power. It's definitely bright enough for me to see. Um, and then I can reach out there if I need to for the little bit further targets. When we get to the Outlaw series is where I shoot the uh, loophole Mark 8 scope. It's a, it's a 1 to 8 it has the Horace reticle in it, so we use that for when we get to a Blue Ridge type match or maybe like a Rocky Mountain three gun match where it's four, five, six hundred yards. We can use a ballistic reticle in there to help us hit those further targets. Oh, that's awesome. Now, um, you have different optics. Are these on different rifles? Do you have different rifle setups for the shorter matches and the, the longer matches? Yes. Um, this year specifically, I'm, I'm going to be running. Armalite. Armalite has two three-gun models that we're, we're putting out this year. One is the 13.5-inch model, which has a pin comp, which makes it 16, and the other is the 18-inch. So for the 18-inch, I'll be running on the Outlaw stuff with a little bit longer range, just for a little bit better ballistics, and then run the 13-inch on the on the uh, shorter, faster stages. It handles a little bit better up close for the long tra- or the wide transitions. The pickups are a little bit quicker. So. Oh, that's cool. So. The uh, you mentioned that you have a excuse me a Horus reticle in the uh, the Leupold one to eight that you use on your your long range gun. Um, do you do you find that? Um, I've I've looked through a couple of those. I'm wondering, do you find that too busy when uh, when you're in the middle of a match, or um, is that just a myth? Well, it it is it is intimidating at first. I've had new shooters pick it up and look in there, and and they're not really sure what they're looking at. There, there's there's lines and dots and dashes everywhere. But when you really sit down and look at it, what we try and do when we zero our guns, basically it's it's a speed application of the reticle. I'm not shooting an extremely small target. I mean, most targets in three guns are 10 inch slashers or 12 or 16 inch, so they're a little bit more on the generous side than say a precision match. So we dial our guns in 
to where every 50 yards is essentially a half mil. I use the mil system when it, when I look at um, zeroing my gun. So it depends on the gun to set up the load. It's usually about 175 to 200 yards zero, somewhere in that range. And then every 50 yards will be half a mil. Well, if you look at a Horace reticle, most have one big line, horizontal line, for like one mil increment. And then the second big line will be two mils. Well, in between there, I can kind of bracket the plate. So, you know, for instance, I can give you my zeros. One mil is exactly on at 300 yards. I can hold that in the center of the plate. At 350 yards, I take the one mil and put it at the top, and I'm going to hit 350. And then at 400, it's two mils, so I can put two right in the center of the plate. So it becomes a lot quicker to engage versus having to look at those tiny little lines when you're under stress and your heart's beating and everything else is going on. Right. I like it. Yeah, that's, uh, man, that's, that's awesome how you have it uh, set up like that. So it's nice and quick and, uh, it doesn't necessarily uh, bother you. Um, so a Horace in, in, uh, if I remember correctly, also has like wind, um, adjustments side to side. Do you, do you end up using those a lot in, in matches or, um, do you end up calling wind before you shoot? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. There's hasn't been too many times where I've had to really worry about the wind it, more than, say, hold off maybe right edge of the plate or left edge of the plate. Um, there's been cases where I've, I've got up there. I think the worst I've ever shot was like a 20-mile-an-hour wind uh, at a Blue Ridge match, and, and Andy Horner had targets out the – I think that time was like four or 500 yards. So we had to do some calculation there. You know, everybody had their ballistic apps out looking. But – yeah, that's something that you do before a long-range stage. When you're shooter up on deck or even you can sit there and watch the wind as you're squad shooting. Um, you can you know, judge it, see what it's doing, where you're at, at the target, and come up with a formula. Basically, I come up with a max and a min. Uh, you know, I, how far do I have to hold off at the wind at its peak? And then what's the minimum I have to hold off? And that way I kind of have a bracket set up. That way when I go up to the line, I'm like, well, it's, it's closer to the max here than I'll know where I need to hold smart and then uh what weight of a uh, bullet do you use for the uh the long range stages i'm sorry what uh what weight of bullet do you use oh i, and, I run 77s yeah we okay we like the 77s the performance we get out of them especially the longer ranges all of our guns seem to shoot them pretty well um so we uh we choose those. Uh, anything heavier, I would I would suggest anything 69 above. Some barrels, it depends on the twist. They might not like the 77s, but usually between 69 and 77 is is a good range for the long range stuff. Gotcha. All right, so well, I guess we've covered your your uh, uh, rifle game pretty uh, pretty well. Um, tell us about the uh, shotgun that you use for uh, for three gun. We're using the Browning A5s. So a couple years ago now, Tommy and I were playing around in the shop one day, and we're looking at shotguns. We wanted to do a switch in shotguns. We wanted to see what was out there. And playing around, we found we came across the Browning. He had one on the shop in the shop floor there, and we started playing with it. We really liked the auto load feature and the fact that when it, the gun's empty, the bolt locks to the rear. You can simply load it the same way as you would normally load it. So for us, we do quad loads. I can roll the gun over and throw four shells in there. It automatically loads one into the chamber for me. So we started playing with that, and we really liked it. It had an inertia system, which has been proven in several other guns. So 
we started playing with that reliability wise. It worked out well. We put one on a, on a mill. We opened it up a little bit so it loaded a little bit quicker. Uh, it loaded great, and we started playing with it. We started testing it, and we've had nothing but good results out of it since. Wow, that's cool. So, um, do you find a lot of uh, shooters using the A5? I I don't hear about it very much. A lot of shooters are starting to. Yeah, over the last, I'll say the last year and a half, some guys on the Pro Tour have started to switch over, and we start to see it now, especially in my local club. Guys are starting to switch over to it. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, that's it runs. It's 100% reliable, um, and, and the loading, it loads great, and then the auto load feature is great because a lot of times guys will spend time practicing a port load, you know, with their match saver or, or whatever, and it, it never fails. I mean, you get to that last target for some reason. You can hit all the other ones. You miss the last one. Your gun goes to lock back, and then there's an extra two and a half, three seconds to get that shot off. So it definitely helps you with that. Yeah, that's for sure. And I hate to admit that I've done that too. Um, and another <laughs> thing that I've done is, uh, you know, loading. Um, so this year, I, um, I guess 2014, I transitioned to load two. And mm-hmm. uh, I was taught a method um, actually by James Casanova of tossing one round from a, you know, bolt lock back, tossing one around in the chamber, smacking the release button, and then throwing that extra shell underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the auto load feature is way faster, especially if you're loading quads. Um, and, I mean, that's that's just incredible right there. Yeah, I know guys are coming up with some stuff. I think the A5 has caused people to come up with that. Some guys are locked in on what guns they can shoot and what guns they can't based on sponsors. So they have mm-hmm. to find a way to, to change things. That's how the sport goes. Somebody comes out with something, and it causes some guys to think, and then we have new new products coming out. So, yeah, guys are throwing them in the chamber. I've seen videos, you know, um, where it's extremely fast. The thing with that, I would say, is if you can do that 100% of the time, then that's great. It's always during the match, though, when it matters, can you do it. Um, so that's one of the things where the A5, I'm always loading into the match all the time the same way. So I think the odds are probably a little bit higher of success there versus what you can do at home, you know, uh, without the stress of the match. Yeah, I find I load in my office way faster than I do when I'm at, actually at a match. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And and just the uh, the idea of like only keeping one load in your head, you know the uh, the classic muscle memory type thing, um, mm-hmm. and not having to think. Okay, so in this situation, now I need to bust out this fancy load that I worked on Tuesday. So yeah, you just do the same thing over and over again. I like that. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So do do people uh, uh, make accessories for the A5, or is this like you you and Tommy are you know mad scientists in the in the laboratory with it, or what? No, it's uh, there, there are more and more things coming out for it all the time. We use the uh, the tubes, the extension tubes from RCI, Mark Roth's company. Uh, it just, that was okay. the first guys we went to. Mark's been a sponsor of us for a couple of years now, and so we went to Mark, and he already had a tube that actually, I believe, it, the thread pattern was the same as the FNSLP at the time. So we tried it out, threw it on there, it worked. Uh, other than that, we don't do anything else to the guns. Uh, we will open them up a little bit uh, for a little bit easier loading. And I throw a rear sight on mine um, with simple dovetail cut and the, and the vent rib, throw a rear sight on it. Tommy chooses not to. He doesn't like the rear sight. So other than that, we're we're pretty much running a stock gun there as well. That's kind of our theme you'll see is we run stock guns. So, Well, that's awesome. So 
Um, I love the uh, the stock gun mentality of, you know, things keeping stone reliability. Does that uh, carry over into your pistol as well? This year it will, yes. Uh, in the last couple of years, we had to deal with Matt Burkett um, with Predator Tactical. Um, since since last year, we had some talks with STI. They were interested in a sponsorship. So this year we'll be running STI. They came out with a new pistol, uh, 9mm. It's, it's a little uh, more than their stock edge. Uh, it's it's tuned up a little bit, but it is. It's a stock gun. So when we get it out of the box, that's what we're going to be running. Oh, well, that's great, too. Another another uh, stock gun. So have you um, been able to get your hands on them for uh, practice and everything? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> we, okay. we, just got, uh, we just got eight inches of snow yesterday. So, oh, nice. Um, that's going to put a damper on things for a couple of days here. But I, I have had a, a longer off-season this year than most. Um, since the three-gun nation championship was in October, um, I've been off since then. I've shot the uh, – match in there and I'm just kind of taking it easy I figure probably within the next two weeks hopefully this weather starts to break I'll be able to get out and um, start practicing for the three gun my first three gun match I think is the end of April so I have a little bit of time yet good all right so then uh, moving on to like your uh, support gear um, like belt setup and stuff like that is there anything specific there that that you find uh, gives you a competitive advantage I've run the Safari Land gear. We've we've had that for years. I've never had an issue. I think I've had the same belt for the last five years. Um, their ELS system is great. It works for three gun. I, I don't know of any other way that's efficient. When I first started, obviously, you, you have to learn the hard way. You know, you, I had a belt and then try and slide mag holders and, and shotgun loaders on for every stage. Because when you get to the, some of these bigger matches, you have to set your belt up per stage. Um, one belt setup won't work for all of the stages. So, you know, I, I finally got to, I got a hold of the ALS system from Safari Land, and it's great because it's a quick catch system that if I go to a stage that's shotgun heavy, I can I can load my belt up with shotgun caddies. The next stage may be a prone stage where I can't get flat enough with all the caddies on, I can take them off without having to take my belt off and, and do all that stuff. So that's what we've run for years, all Safari Land belts and holsters. Uh, that's great. Now, does Safari Land make a uh, uh, like a load two or excuse me, a quad load type of type of attachment for it, or do you run some not, other brand? Yeah, not that I'm aware of. Um, I don't think they've come out with anything at this time. Um, I'm running um, from James uh, Carbon Arms. He, okay. he hooked me up with uh, a couple years ago with one of their uh, quad load setups, um, and that's that's what I've run for years. I know there's a lot of new companies out there now, but the biggest thing for me is to make sure that it retains the shells. They come out easy, but also they retain it. A lot of times you find yourself getting into position hard or, or maybe going prone hard to get up and all your shells are laying on the ground. So I wanted to find something that worked. And, and I've known James for a while, and I've seen him shoot matches, and he could really run the shotgun, but yet I didn't see him having a yard sale when he would run the stages. So you know, <laughs> I, talked, I talked to him, and, and he got me out some, some caddies. And that's, like I said, if, if I usually if I find something that works, I like to stick with it unless something's really, really come out that's better. So. Yeah, that's that's good. You know, I I started when I started loading. Um, I wasn't even aware of like the load two. It was just the uh, the weekend reload the you know the mm-hmm. four under shuffle type thing. So I had uh, some nice ones from AP Customs. And but yeah, talk about yard sale when you know you're running down the stage and 
and your shells are following behind you. So I did end up going uh, switching to a carbon arm setup, you know, based on James and Mark's recommendation. And uh, yeah, I've never looked down and thought, oh, where'd that shell go? Yeah. Yeah, stuff works. So Greg, do you have uh, a unique ability in the uh, the field of three gun that you can tell us about? A unique ability. <laughs> yeah, something that sets you apart from the rest, or or you feel it does anyway. Well, I know a lot of the guys that are that are top in the sport. I would say, amongst all the top guys, there's one thing that's in common, and and I believe that's practice. Your your mindset, your dedication, and your technique at practice. I, I know there's some very talented guys. Some may have some natural talent, but it all it all comes down to practice. And that's what a lot of people don't, especially new to the sport, they wonder, how does a guy do something like that or, or why did he do this? And it all comes back to way before the match when they sat down, they came up with some goals, and they tried to practice to achieve those goals. So I think of, of what I do in three-gun, to me it's all about the practice. I, I'm very detail-oriented in practice when it comes to setting my goals, and then I try and reach them by what I do in practice. I don't just go to the range and say, damn, I'm going to shoot 200 rounds. I'll have that 200 rounds dissected, so I'm going to spend so much time on this, this, and this. It will help me attain the goal I'm looking for. I like it. That's uh, that's good practical advice. So, so how do you structure your practice then? It depends on the match I'm going to. Each one of my practices are geared towards the match that's upcoming. So, for instance, my next match, my the one coming up is a precision rifle match. So I'll I'll do all for precision rifle. But then when it gets into three gun, so the first match is the three gun nation match. It's going to be the stuff that counts as far as your your gun transitions, shooting on the move, quick pickups, um, you know, very technical footwork. Make sure I'm foots and you know feet are in the right place when you're moving through these stages real quick. So that. Each each match, I'll sit down. I, I've been lucky that I've been able to experience a, a good many of the matches out there, so I kind of know what the flavor is going into it. So, you know, that'll change when I go to an outlaw match. I'll look at maybe some long-range rifle, um, harder pistol shots, something like that. So that's interesting. You mentioned the uh, that you know the flavor of the match. Do you find that um, you can tell sort of like a signature, like who designed the stages? Is, is it is it that specific? Uh, yes and no. I, I know when I go to a, a match run by Andy Horner, I know what to expect. It's going to be a lot of physical stuff with very hard shots. So for me, when I'm training for one of his matches, I don't look so much at the the speed of things. I look at, okay, I need to be able to hit this size target um, from this position or you know, go run around the range a couple times and then try and hit that target because Andy's going to work you you know, in his stages. So, yeah, I would say that that has something to do with the match directors. Um, and some matches just have a reputation, you know, they out Rocky mountain. They're, they're known for their long range stuff. So going yeah, into that course. match, I'm going to, I'm going to look at all long range practice. Um, so, yeah. All right. So do you incorporate dry fire into your, uh, your training regimen as well? Yes. Not as much as I used to. Um, but, a big part of my dry fire is typically in the beginning of the year. Um, I actually started that now. So I'll dry fire for a couple of weeks before I get out on the range. And then once the year's going on, I, I won't dry fire as much unless there's, for some reason, I can't get to the range on a normal basis. I usually train three to five times a week. So, um, 
you know, pretty much for me, my practice is live fire. But when it's wintertime or, you know, I haven't really started my regimen yet, I'll, st- I'll get in the dry fire. That way I make sure my technique's all good to go before I get out to the range. In that uh, that dry fire practice, are, are you um, doing the classic, you know, basically weapons manipulation and acquiring targets quickly? And then, you know, in three gun, there's the... Uh, you know, the practice that you can work on and transitioning from weapon to weapon and dump barrels and stuff like that, or how does that go for you? Yeah, I, I try, I build up. It's it's all building blocks. So I'll start, you know, I haven't picked the gun up in a couple months. I'll start just basic trigger manipulation, some draws and trigger manipulation. And then I'll pick the long guns up and I'll do some, you know, low ready, um, you know, high port type work. And then I'll start to build on that. So then, I'll, you know, the shotgun, I'll start loading. And then the rifle, maybe some table pickups. And then eventually I'll get to the point where, I can set up a little mini stage in my basement and I can do all three guns with a transition shooting on the move. Um, you know, all the, all the technical skills I can work that and I'll take the timer and I'll set a part time. I'll look at it and say, well, I should be able to run this in you know 20 seconds. And that, that'd be my goal then. Wow. That's fantastic. So what is the, uh, what is the area of your three gun game that you feel you need to work on the most? Hmm. I would say pistol. Um, pistol is something that I think will benefit any shooter, regardless of where you're at in your game, because the pistol skills transition over to the long gun skills, as far as the footwork, the transitions. So I'm constantly working on pistol. The better pistol shooter you are, it seems like it carries over. So you mentioned that you shoot local matches. Um, so you probably get to see a lot of like mid-level, you know, weekend warrior type shooters on the range. What is the most common mistake that you see someone doing that you think uh, is, you know, low-hanging low fruit that they can improve on? Probably the biggest thing when I shoot with, with guys at a local match uh, is they, they won't stick to their plan. They plan off of somebody else's success, and they won't stick to their plan. And maybe that's because they're new and they think that that's the best way, or maybe they don't get a chance to practice as much. But each shooter has to, to to plan a match or a stage out to their strengths and weaknesses. So if they see, you know, a guy get up there and burn a stage down in a particular way, and they're up next, and man, that's not what I was thinking, they'll change it last minute, and that, that seems to never work out. So I would say the biggest thing is, is know what you're capable of, what your strengths and weaknesses are, and then apply that to your stage planning. Have you ever done that yourself and, and been burned by it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, it, it's very I feel like hard. that's part of, lear- part of learning. Like, you know, it's, uh, it, it seems like I've, I've heard that advice a dozen times mm-hmm. or more, excuse me. And, uh, but I've, I've done that myself. I know guys that have done that. I've seen guys do that and say, yeah, God, I wasn't going to shoot it that way, but you know, Steve shot it this way or Greg shot it that way. And, you know, so it, yeah, it just I, seems like one of those ones someone has to learn. Well, and it, it, you're right. You have to learn it. But I know on the tour when we shoot in Tulsa, you know, and you'll get done watching a stage. I've watched Keith run a stage or Daniel or Tyler or somebody run a stage, and they saw something in that stage that nobody else saw. And when, they, when we hear the time, it's five seconds faster than the fastest time. Well, automatically, you're already thinking, man, maybe I should do that because we're so competitive and oh, of it's, course. it's it's so close that maybe I should switch to his plan. 
You know, is my plan going to be fast enough? <laughs> so it's always it's always going on in your head. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, for me, I don't like to switch plans. I've, I've been burned enough to know that I shouldn't. Um, but you know, it's always it's it's match to match. Yeah. And it is so tempting, like you said, when you watch someone, you know, burn the stage down, you're like, oh, hey, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> uh, so, Greg, tell me about your uh, your most spectacular disqualification. Well, I, I'm going to knock on some wood here. I've never been DQ'd. <laughs> wow. So, you're, yes. you're the guy. Well, like I said, I want to knock on wood because it's not – it's not if, it's when. So uh, I'm hoping that sure. that doesn't come. But uh, no, I've been fortunate to this to this uh, stage in my career where that hasn't happened yet. So wow, uh, that made for a crappy question, but a good career then. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't come anytime soon. That's awesome. So Greg, um, we talked about your training a little bit. Do you find that there are activities outside of shooting uh, that have a, a great impact on your three gun game? Physical fitness, for sure. Um, okay. You know, for for work, I try and stay in shape, and I know that helps in three gun. Uh, some of the shorter day stuff you may not see quite as much, but when you get into the outlaw matches where you're running through the woods and carrying all kinds of stuff and and doing some some high activity stuff, it, it definitely helps in your shooting. And do you have like a specific training regimen that you stick to in in that area? I wouldn't say I have a specific one. I, I don't like to do the same thing all the time. So, you know, I may do some CrossFit type activities and then I'll go run. Um, I like to hike and get outside. So, um, you know, cardio, I, I kind of mix it up a little bit. I wouldn't say I'm set on one routine. Gotcha. And, you know, it for me, I find that getting out and doing uh, stuff in the wintertime can be kind of a pain. Um, what are What have you been doing lately with, you know, eight inches of snow on the ground and the uh, country being ravaged by a winter storm. <laughs> it's it's loading some ammo. Like I said, I'm getting ready for a precision match in March, so I'm load testing. Okay. I can still do that um, as long as it's not too nasty out. And you know, like I said, working out, and I just started up dry firing again. So that's that's been keeping me busy here until we can get get some time to get down to the range and, and start going at it. Gotcha. So you mentioned that you have a precision match coming up as your uh, first match of the season. What uh, mm-hmm. what else does your uh, does your match schedule look like this year? It's busy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is probably the busiest year I've had so far. It's, I'm looking anywhere from 12 to 14 major matches. So I'll be doing wow. the Three Gun Nation Tour. Um, you know, several outlaw matches and all over the country and then I am going to try the PRS series this year, the Precision Rifle Series. So I have a match schedule for that and then if I can get in, these matches are hard to get in, so if I can get into a couple of them later in the year, I'd like to do that as well. Well, that's awesome. Now, does uh, does your match schedule get dictated to you by your sponsors or do you get to choose what uh, what's on your plate? No, my sponsors are, are, are pretty, um, they're great as far as not dictating matches I have to shoot. Um, obviously, they would like me to go as many as, as possible for the exposure, but that's ultimately dictated by work. Um, you know, work pays the bills, so I have to balance how long I'm going from there and how much leave I have and, and uh, work that around my schedule. Yeah, that's that's always, uh, you know, the life balance there between 
the fun stuff and the the stuff that <laughs> you know keeps your belly full and your house warm. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned uh, local matches. Uh, where do you shoot local matches at? Uh, about 15 minutes from me, up in uh, a place called Dallastown. It's a Isaac Walton League. Uh, that's where I started back in 2007. And those guys, they hold a local match every every month. It's on the second Sunday of every month. So if I don't have anything going on where I'm out of town traveling, I'll slip up there and shoot with the guys. It's nice to be able to have like that regular local match that you shoot all the time and you know all the guys and everything like that. Do, do you find that um, guys are getting more serious about it, that you're seeing a lot of newer shooters out there? Um, are your numbers growing? What's it, what's it looking like? It really seems like it. The matches are filling up quicker than ever. And when I go to the club, like I said, I don't make everyone because a lot of times I'm out traveling um, you know, to other matches. But when I do show up, there's always new guys that and guys are getting more serious about it. They're they're, they're tweaking their gear. They're they're watching YouTube videos. They're always emailing me, asking me questions about stuff. So guys are definitely getting more competitive, and and it shows. And especially the Three Gun Nation tour, I see some of the new guys coming up, and a lot of the guys from the pistol ranks are starting to look at Three Gun pretty hard now because they're pretty successful when they come over the first year. So um, I think that's a good jump for them. Yeah, you know I've I've been noticing on. Uh... You know, I follow a lot of shooters on social media and stuff like that. I've been noticing that there are guys that you would associate traditionally with uh, pistol shooting that are, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, look at this new rifle I'm trying out. And you're like, oh, I know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> That's awesome. So the uh, the rising tide, you know, raises all ships. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. So, Greg, do you have any uh, upcoming projects or promotions that you'd like to tell us about? Um, other than the Armory products coming out this year, um, like I said, the, the new rifles, you're going to be seeing Tommy and I out running those. That's the big thing for the year, the big project. Um, you know, and anything else our sponsors come out with that we're going to push, um, we'll, we'll be obviously be out there doing that, but nothing set in stone right now. So. Great. Well, if the, uh, if the listeners want to, uh, follow you or get in touch with you, um, how would they do that? Uh, they can get a hold of me via Facebook, uh, just uh, Facebook page on there. I had a lot of guys that messaged me, asked me questions about different guns or techniques or, you know, stage planning or something like that. So I try and keep up with it. I don't always answer right away, but I, I do try and keep up with it. That's good. And that's uh, that's how we connected. And so that's a pretty good outlet. And I definitely appreciate you getting back to me on that. Yes, sir. So, Greg, if you can uh, leave the audience with just one thought or piece of advice, what would it be? I would say when they get set up on their gear, go out and practice with it and don't be so quick to change things. Uh, a lot of guys look at the newest, latest, greatest stuff and they think that that's going to get them the better match performance. Um, and, and like I said earlier in the interview, it all comes down to practice. Get out to the range, dedicate some time, and you'll see some of the results. Well, that's awesome. That's a great note to, uh, to end it on. Well, Greg, uh, good luck this year in your uh, 14-plus matches, and uh, thank you very much for joining us on the Three Gun Show. Thanks for having me, Dave. really liked it. What a great interview. Greg was really generous with his time and his knowledge in Three Gun. I hope you all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Be sure to check out the show notes at threegunshow.com slash episode one. Check out all Greg's awesome sponsors and look for the, uh, for the link to Greg's Facebook page and send him a quick message thanking him for being on the show. 
Now, I mentioned before the show that I am doing a prize giveaway. The prize is what I'm calling a three-gun starter package that consists of a Blade Tech Revolution double pistol magazine pouch, a Blade Tech Revolution AR mag pouch, a Carbon Arms pinwheel, all with tech lock attachments, and I'm also throwing in four PMAGs if they're legal in your state. This is over $200 worth of high-quality kit. It is stuff I use myself and definitely recommend. The idea here is that if you're a new shooter that has three guns and a holster, you'll be able to attach all this good stuff to your belt and go attend a three-gun match. Now, I want to give a big thanks to Mark and James at Carbon Arms for participating in this giveaway. You guys are awesome, and I genuinely mean that. Now, to get in on this contest, all you have to do is leave a review in iTunes for the three-gun show, and before you hit submit, take a screen capture and email it to me at dave at threegunshow.com. If you include your address, I'll send you one of the super awesome Three Gun Show stickers as a thank you. For all the details on the prizes and, and requirements for the giveaway, go to threegunshow.com slash giveaway. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and subscribing to the show. I'll catch you in the next episode. That's the only way I know. Don't stop till everything's gone. Straight ahead, never turn around. Don't back up, don't back down. I'm full throttle, wide open, you get tired.